I am going to go to the Word today. Thank you for your sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. Before I go there, I want to tell you something happening in the spirit realm at our church. Right now, I've been hearing great reports of people succeeding and doing great things in the Holy Ghost. Among the members of our church, I have been getting reports of people who are getting rid of their televisions and getting rid of the world. People who are growing in the Word of God. I received phone calls recently about men who are working on the job that God stops them and they begin to speak and write down messages to preach. And I thank God for the great things He's doing. The leaders He's raising up. At the very same time, there are those who are drifting, battling and struggling. It feels like there is two directions that's taking place right now. There is a pulling in. And there is a fight to barely stay in. And I want you to know that God wants us to pull in close right now. It is the will of God for us all to just drop everything that's in the way and to grab a hold of what the Spirit is saying because two things are happening and you can be the one, your family can be the one that has the anointing. You can be that one. Everybody say, I can be that one. In the name of Jesus, you can be the one that calls me next week and says, God just spoke to me. God just gave me the raise. God just blessed my family. God just brought my backslidden loved one back in. God just did it. You can be that person in Jesus' name. I speak faith over you and I tell you it's happening to people and it, you might not know it, but it's secretly happening and I'm getting reports and God can do that for you and your family. And this is what we want to see happen at AFC. And so I am telling you this. So that you will know that the enemy is coming to seek, to destroy us, and to kill us, and to take us. But I believe that you will make it, and we will make it together in Jesus' name. And that God's going to bring us closer together in this season like never before. And people will say, you know what? I feel it. God is working, and God is moving, and God is blessing. I tell you that as an inside, because I want you to know that this is simply an attack from the enemy. To shake things. And we are under shaking. And shaking pulls you in or pushes you out. Shaking does not let you stay the same. Shaking lets you see who you really are. Shaking does not make you go. Shaking shows whether you would have gone. And I tell you this in advance because I want you to have that prophetic word of warning that you can make it, families of God. You can make it in Jesus' name. When you feel the shaking, it's not to push you out. It's not to get you out. It's to show you how unstable you are and how much you need to run to the cross and how much you need to run to the Word of God and run to the truth and try again. Don't quit. Don't give up. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're under attack, and we will win in Jesus' name. And my wife and I are here to help any way that we can. Because we want you to go forward, and we feel the attack like you do, but we must love each other. We must help each other in this season of shaking. It's the only way we'll make it together. And so I encourage you, find someone that loves us, loves God, loves the Word of God, and get close because the shaking is happening. The shaking is happening. It's all for God's glory. It's all going to be for the good of our community, but this is the will of God. And I want to see more stories like I've been hearing of people receiving their callings to ministry and their anointings and getting rid of the world system. Thank you, Brother Brandon, for talking about TV. You were in the Holy Ghost. 
It is, it is a crazy time we're living in. The enemy is coming after us. Thank you for an elder. It's not just me saying it, but there's others that believe it. Thank you for saying it in the Holy Ghost today. We've got to be careful of the world. Thank you, Lord. Salvation is progressive. It's a forward race. Everybody say it's forward. God has laid it on my heart to talk about salvation today. I want to take some time and talk about how the, the way you know that you're saved is if you're going forward. You don't have to be like me overnight. You're not going to be like me, and I'm not going to be like those I look up to overnight. You don't have to do that. That's not salvation. Salvation is not an instant place you get to. Salvation is an ever, everyday steady climb. Some of you right now don't feel very saved, but I've come to encourage you and tell you today, you're just as saved as anybody else. You know why? Because you're not who you were last year. You may not be where you want to be, but if you're not the person you were last week, I'm telling you, you're still in the race, and you're still running the race, and you're going to make it. And if the trumpet were to sound today, there's a good chance your feet will lift off the ground because you're running. The devil wants to tell you you're not far along enough and you're going to be lost. And he wants to lie to you and discourage you and say, just quit. But I've come to tell you, if you're still in the race, you're going to make it. If you're still pushing forward, you're going to make it. Because salvation is forward progress. Salvation is progression. And if you're moving forward in your faith, you're going to be saved. Everybody say yes. 1 Corinthians 9 and 24. Will you give me a few moments today? And that... That doesn't mean a whole lot when you say that because for me, a few moments is a long time. Don't forget church tonight, 5 o'clock prayer, 1 Corinthians 9 and 24. 5 o'clock prayer, 5 to 6, and then at 6 we don't know what's going to happen. I like to think of Sunday nights like an apostolic church service like in the first church. Uh, what kind of church did they have in the very first church? They just gathered and prayed. And if you gather and pray by faith, God will move. And I kind of like it because it's a time of refreshing. It's a time of unknowns. I don't know what God's going to do. All I know is we're going to wait on the Lord. It's good for us to get together and wait on the Lord and see what God will do. So 5 to 6, I know you're tired. I'm tired too. But God will restore us and encourage us at 5 o'clock. So grab some food. Some of y'all told me you grab your clothes, you go out to eat, and you come back, and you don't even have time to go home. I think that's beautiful, and I think God sees your sacrifice, and I think that that's going to create a move of God tonight. So five to six prayer, six o'clock, we'll see what the Lord does, and then we'll get you home early tonight in Jesus' name. First Corinthians 9, 24, the Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain. Run in a way that helps you win. Run in a way that helps you get to the end. Verse 25, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. You control your temper. You make sure that you stay cool so you can keep going. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. People on the earth run races to get something that's tangible. But we do it for imperishable crown. We do it for one that will last forever. You and I are not running and wasting our time, but we're going to get to the end and we're going to receive heaven as our prize. And we're going to get there in Jesus' name. Verse 26, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. I'm not running blindly. I know why I'm running, even though it feels like I'm on a treadmill sometimes. And it feels like I'm not getting anywhere. He said, I know I'm gaining. I know I'm gaining. I know I'm gaining. He says that this, he says, thus I fight, not as one who's just fighting the air. Even though it seems like you're not making any ground, you can't visibly see your progress. He said, I know I'm progressing, even though it's hard to judge how far I've gone. 
I know that I'm going to do this. How do you know you're progressing when you can't see any markers along the way? You look down and make sure your feet are still going forward. Even when you don't know what you see, you just keep moving. You just keep moving. Paul said, I might not know how far I've gone or how far I need to go, but he said, I will not stop running. That's one thing that's for sure. I, I might be fighting the air sometimes, but it's not air. I'm fighting and I'm going to win. So Paul is talking to us about our faith and the race that we're in. In verse 27, I discipline my body and I bring it under subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I make sure even as the preacher, I check myself to make sure that I am keeping my body because the body gets weak in the race. Right? The flesh is weak. The spirit is strong. We've got to keep our body from not listening to our body, not listening to the world in us. We've got to make sure we keep our eyes on the prize. Everybody say in Jesus' name. And God bless you. High five your neighbor before you're seated and tell him, man, you look good today by faith. Praise God. I don't want you lying. That's why you say by faith. Our friend Daniel, my new friend Daniel's here today. Daniel, we welcome you to the church, man, a community guy right here. Got to meet Daniel. Daniel encouraged me today. I, I want to give honor to him. He doesn't even probably realize how the Lord used him, but when he came in today, I met Daniel, our friend from the community, and he told me, I've been watching services for a long time online, and he said, I felt a connection to your ministry, and I had to, I had to finally come to church. And you've blessed me, Daniel. I needed to hear that. Thank you so much for coming and saying that to me. As pastors, sometimes we wonder, as preachers, who's even watching online? You don't even know if you're helping anybody. And so you get discouraged, and that encouraged me, Daniel. So I can't wait to spend more time with you and get to know you more. Uh, last few weeks, we've been talking about the Salvation Series. And if you're like Daniel, been watching online, then you've caught all of these. And priorities was number one. If it's not your priority to be saved, you know that you'll be offended by the ministry, by the Word of God. It has to be your number one priority to be saved. No matter what pain you take or no matter what happens, I'm going to be saved. It's my number one priority. More than my ministry, more than my marriage, I'm going to be right with God. More than money, more than anything else, I'm going to be right with God. It has to be your number one priority. Number two, I preach to you that we need saving. It's not just uh, some fancy word. We literally need it. I don't know if you'll be honest like, like let's all be honest today. We've got to be honest today. But if you'll be honest and just say it out loud or say it in your heart, uh, we need saving. Just go ahead and be honest today and make sure you know we need saving. I, tr I have to convince people that they need saving. People think that they're already saved. And I'm thinking, look at our lives. We, some of us live like crazy people. We need Jesus. Look at the world. We need Jesus. Everybody's a Christian, but nobody acts like one. It's because we need saving. We're not saved without him. We're not saved. We're lying to ourselves. You know, it's helped my prayer life so much recently, getting up and saying to myself, I need saving. I'm a lost man. Even as a pastor, I still need saving. I need saving, y'all. And if you will get it in your mind that you're lost without Jesus, you'll pray more than ever before. You'll read your Bible like, like food. You'll eat it like food. You've got to make your mind up, I need saving. It's a necessity. I need Jesus. Number three, I preach to you that belief is just the beginning. You don't just say you believe in God and you're saved. It's just the beginning. You go on from belief. Belief is what you need to go forward in your faith. You are not saved just because you believe that Jesus died for your sins. Okay? Even the devils believe. Even the devils believe there's one God. That does not mean that the devils are saved. It doesn't change them. Belief must go forward. You have to act on belief. 
Four, number four in our series, we have to use the Bible to complete salvation. You can't use YouTube. You can't use your family and your friends. You can't use grandma's religion. You've got to use the Bible. The same Bible that grandma quoted out of to say she was saved is the same Bible you've got to quote out of. So go to the Word of God, not your family, not your tradition, and not the religions of the world. Go to the Word of God. And we talked about the validity of the Word of God. And we talked about how the Bible is what we use to complete salvation. Once you believe that there's a God, you seek Him out in the Scriptures, and you find out how to be saved. Today, we're talking about salvation is progressive because we're in a long distance race. We must run in such a way that we may obtain it. We're not going to automatically win. We have to push forward when our body is weak. We have to fight. We have to progress daily. There are no days off. There are no vacation days. We must push forward. We must measure ourselves off of our progress, not our highs and our lows, but how far we're going down the road. We've got to push forward. Don't worry about mistakes. Don't worry about what you've done wrong. Just get back up and say, I'm going to go forward again. I'm going to try again today. Yesterday was a bad day, but today's going to make up for it. I lost a little ground last week. I'll make up for it this week. Just get down the road and never, ever stop. Let me give you some Bible for it. 2 Peter 1 and 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. Everybody say, add on. To virtue, add on knowledge. To knowledge, add on self-control. To your self-control, don't stop there. Add on perseverance. When you get perseverance, don't give up. Don't just sit down in church, but add to perseverance godliness. When you get godliness conquered, don't stop with godliness. Go ahead and add, add in some brotherly kindness. When you get good at brotherly kindness, go ahead and find out how to love. Because you can be kind and not love people. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he has cleansed he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, even be even more diligent to make your call and election. election everybody say, sure. How do I make sure that I'm called and I'm elected of God? Because I'm adding to. I'm adding to. I'm adding to. How am I sure that I'm really right with God? Because I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm not just going to have an, a, a, a moment from yesterday, a church service from last year. I'm going to get something from God today. I'm going to add to today. I'm going to get more today. I'm going to go forward today. How do I make sure? People wonder. They say, how do I know I'm saved? Because you're still going forward. You're still adding to it. You prayed five minutes a day last year. Now you're ten minutes a day. Good for you. You're going forward. You look at yourself and you can see the addition. You can see the adding. You ought to just go ahead and rejoice today if you're someone who goes forward because that means you're doing it. You're making it. Don't quit. Don't give up. Just keep gaining ground. How do we know that the context here? Look at verse 10 again. Brethren, make sure that you know your call, your election, make it sure. For if you do these things, if you add, if you add, if you add in these things, you will never stumble. It's a race, y'all. Everybody say, it's a race. You won't get tripped up if you keep adding more to your arsenal because it's like a mountain that you're climbing. It gets harder the longer you go. 
How many of y'all found out that the, the longer you're in church, the steeper it gets? You know why? Because it's advanced training. God's trying to do something and give you a ministry. That's why it gets harder the longer you're in church. You get treated differently when you're in church a long time because God believes in you more. He believes he needs to push you harder and get you further. And that's why you're building and that's why you're adding. And if you will add to, then you will not stumble. Verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and, and Savior Jesus Christ. That sounds like salvation. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always. Look what Paul says. For this reason, so that you won't stumble, so that you'll keep adding and adding and adding, I will not be negligent. I will not back off. I will not be quiet. I will remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in present truth, he said, I don't care if you've heard it a million times, I'm going to preach it again next week too because you've got to keep going. You've got to keep listening. You've got to have faith again. You've got to try again. I preached on prayer last year. I'm going to preach on it again. You've got to keep praying. You've got to keep going. He said, I know you're tired of hearing the same old song, but we've got to keep pushing. I said, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to make sure I'm going to preach this to you. He said in verse 13, yes, I think it is right. And as long as I am in this tent, this tabernacle, the, the King James says, to stir you up. Anybody ever felt stirred up? Some people like it, some people hate it. I personally don't enjoy it. But then it, it, it helps me. It helps me. It keeps me going. Because he said, I'm going to stir you up. He said, I'm going to stir you up. He said, as long as I'm in the body, as long as I'm here, I'm going to stir you up. You can't get comfortable, y'all. When you get comfortable, you start, you start dying. When you get comfortable, you stop running. You stop fighting. When you fall in more in love with comfort, you won't run the race. Because the race is not comfortable. The comfort comes at the end of the race, at the destiny, at the destination. He said, I can't let you get sleepy. I can't let you get comfortable. I got to keep preaching in your ear. I got to keep pushing you. I got to keep pushing you because you're going to make it. I refuse to be negligent. I've got to stir you up. It's time for the church folks to love it when we get stirred up. Well, I was growing up in church. They would stir, they would stir, they would stir us up. No church service I slept through. I was scared 90% of the time in church growing up. Some of y'all hadn't gone to church like that. We're trying to become that church. We're just going easy. It's a lot of transition. But, but I was so stirred. You know why I'm today a preacher? I'm a pastor because I had people in my life that didn't let me sleep on the pew and just sit there comfortable. But they pushed me and they pushed me and they preached to me. And I had a fear of God and a reverence of God. And sometimes I'm like, dude, back off. But they pushed me and they pushed me. And when I went to youth camp, they preached against sin when I went to youth camp. We always brought CDs and tapes CDs when I went, yeah, tapes for my brother's generation. We brought, we brought CDs. We brought CDs to the altar, and we burn them, and we give them up, and they was always preaching against sin and what was wrong, and they stirred me. And now these days, people get mad. They wouldn't send their kids to the camp if that happened. They get mad. Don't you tell little Johnny what it came to, but I thank God for people in my life that stir me. He said, I'm going to stir you up by reminding you. I'm not going to let you forget. I'm going to keep saying stuff that you already know because I want to make sure you stay stirred. I want to stir that pot. I want to make sure that you're always going to stay awake for the race. Keep fighting. Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, 
I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things. Even after my decease, I'll make sure that you have a reminder of these things. And here we have a letter today that we're getting to read. I want to summarize what Peter was saying. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep you stirred up. I refuse to let you get comfortable. Even if you already know it, I will say it over and over again. I'm going to be in your ear speaking faith while you're running on the race. I'm going to be there with a water bottle squirting in your face saying, wake up, let's go. Come on, here's a Gatorade. you got to make it. Does anybody want someone to love you like that? Thank God for that. Now listen, y'all, that's my generation. That's some of y'all's generation. But this generation is sensitive and hurt. This generation, I'm not knocking you. I've been hurt too by this generation. We are hurting people. We are hurting people. We've got to fall back in love with God's gift of stirring. We've got to quit all that sensitivity stuff, and we've got to say, God, I want to be saved. I want to be right, and I want to finish the race. I don't care what it takes or what it feels like, but stir me up. Preach to me. Tell me the truth. I want to get stirred. That's where I come from. The reason I'm telling you where I come from is because I want you to know why I preach and why I do what I do. Because what worked for me, I think, works for others. That's the same thing you do in your ministries. What blessed you is what you do for others. I'm going to tell you what blessed me. I'm telling you, people in my life that just said, you're going to go. You're going to make it. You're going to push. Don't give up. Don't quit. I appreciate that kind of ministry. I love that ministry. I get blessed by that ministry. You can't preach too hard for me. When I go to a conference or a camp, I, I'm sometimes easy. I fall asleep. I'm like, when are you going to get to it? Stir me up, man. I've already heard about that. Stir me up. Get where I'm living at. Deal with my issues. Deal with my secret sins. I want to hear from the prophet. I want to hear from the word of God. I don't want to be lost. Somebody get down in here and stir me. We'll save the political stuff and all my other complaints for another time, but I, I'm so frustrated with the current level today of, of everybody's getting up and just patty-caking everybody, and just, just sweet little messages. I'm like, y'all, we're against the devil every day. Hell is against us. I need someone to fight. I need somebody to preach. I need someone to get up here and get in my face and say, run, run, run. So that's where I'm coming from. That's me. That's, that's part of my past and my history. I hope that helps you. First Peter 2 and 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. Everybody say progressive. Everybody say grow up. That's not an offensive thing. It's literal. We're young. We're new Christians. Sometimes we haven't been in church a long time or been in the truth very long. And you've got to look in the mirror and say, I still got diapers on. I'm not mad about it. I'm not embarrassed about it. I've only been in church three, four, five years. I've got a long way to go. Even your pastor has a long way to go. I'm not in the prime. I'm not there yet. I'm still working on it. Thank you for your patience. But I'm not satisfied. I still want to go forward. I still want to grow. Let's fight together. Let's grow together. Let's do it together. Like Peter, the Apostle Paul was quick to liken our salvation to a forward progressive journey where we move from level to level, moving closer and closer 
to our final destination. Paul said in Philippians 3 and 14, forgetting those things that are behind me, I'm going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, which is Christ Jesus. He said, I'm never going to be satisfied with where I have arrived to. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep going forward every day. I'm going to learn something new. I am not going to backslide. Listen to that. I'm not going to backslide. I may, I may not go very far this week, but I am not going backwards. I'll tell you that right now. I may only go a few inches, but I'm going forward. I'm trying to tell someone the Holy Ghost right now, whatever you do, don't go backwards and don't be still. But just make sure if it's just a few inches, you just make a few steps this week in Jesus' name. Don't go backwards. Hallelujah. Y'all all right? I'm trying to hurry. I'm sorry for the translator back there about to have a baby. I'm sorry. I hope this doesn't make you have a baby, Dulce. Till later today. Like Peter, he explained in 1 Corinthians 3, we start out as newborns in need of milk of God's word, and then over time we get to the place and the level we can take meat. And you all heard me preach about the milk meat church where over time you can handle more. And that's why people in church sometimes get offended when I get up here and preach meat. I try to warn you guys, if you're not ready for the advanced training, ignore me and just, just smile and wait. I'm not preaching to everybody when I preach. Y'all know that? If, if the shoe fits, if it doesn't, don't be mad. I'm not talking to you, right? If I get up here and say, someone needs that we need to go on seven-day fast, I'm not talking to the brand-new convert. So understand that. It's a milk meat church. My whole point is we start off and we get a little more in our diet, a little more in our diet, and we build and we grow. And before long, before you know it, you're eating meat. You're just like me. You're preaching and you're baptizing and you're winning the lost and you've got faith and you're ministering. You can become this, but not overnight. One step at a time, one day at a time, one prayer meeting at a time. You'll make it. Praise God. The, the plan of salvation is repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the receiving of the Holy Ghost. Repentance is a directional term. Everybody say direction. Remember, our topic today is forward progression. It's about a journey. It's about a race. Repentance is when you sign up for the race. Repentance is when you get on the starting line and you turn your back on the world and you say, I'm going this way. Repentance is when you, you get the number on your back. You get that number seven, the number of Jesus, and you get it on your back, and you sign up, and you get ready. Repentance is not the power to go forward. It's the power to turn. Repentance is not the power of the Holy Ghost. Repentance is the power to desire the Holy Ghost. Everybody has the power to desire the Holy Ghost. Everyone has the power to repent. But repentance is not enough. Repentance is signing up for the race. The next thing you got to do is you got to get rid of the past weight that's been holding you back. That's why the Bible says to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the removal of all your sin. Because you can't go into holiness holding on to your sinfulness. So repentance is not enough. You can't just say, I want to go forward if you're holding on to your past. So when you get baptized, it's symbolic of letting go of the old lifestyle, the old friendships, everything from your past that caused the damage that you have right now. You're saying, I want to wash it away, and I want to put the name of Jesus on my life, and I believe today someone's going to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. How many of you believe that's going to happen today in Jesus' name? 
The last thing that happens is the Bible tells us we will receive the power of the Holy Ghost. What is the purpose of the power? The purpose of the power is so that we can run in the race. Repentance signs you up for the race, but the Holy Ghost gives you the power to run in the race. That's why the Bible says that the Spirit of God will lead and guide us into all truth. Lead and guide. Lead and guide. The Holy Ghost is an overcoming power. Overcoming what? Step by step, day by day. Sin, devils, demons, flesh. The power of the Holy Ghost gives us the power to run in the race, to stay forward. Go forward. Ephesians 4 and 11. Let me talk to you a little bit about the people that God puts in your life to help you stay in the race. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Everybody say, I'm not perfect. And by the way, I'm a saint too. I'm not perfect. That's why I have these ministries in my life too. For the work of the ministry. So God wants to complete you, perfect you, and he wants you to work in ministry. That's the goal. For the edifying of the body of Christ. So God gave these ministries, which are functioned through by people, to the church as gifts so that you could be perfected, so you could work ministry, so you could do powerful things. Watch this in verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or complete man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, milk, but we grow up. Because children are tossed to and fro. They're, they don't have any ability to stay on the course. Children are tossed to and fro. And the reason why some of us love God but we can't stay on course is because we refuse to grow. We, we say we're saved and we don't grow. I've come to tell you, you're not saved when you stop growing. If your child stopped growing, the doctors would say something's wrong. This is why you can't measure someone by how they look. You have to measure their function, not where they look. Because the doctor looks at how healthy they are, not how big they are. But everyone has different growth. Some of you, you stopped growing early, apparently. Others of you, you grew and you grew and you grew and you're tall. But you don't say that one is better than the other because of the look of them. Because of our anatomy, we're all different, but growing is all the same. So while you may not end up like someone else, you still grow like them. And so we can't measure each other among ourselves. We can measure growth. And this is how a doctor knows if a baby is growing, even though the baby may be short. The doctor knows if it's healthy. So we've got to make sure that we're growing no matter how we look. We've got to make sure that we're progressing forward because if we don't, we'll be tossed to and fro and we won't be able to stay on the race and stay on the path. We'll be moved around with every wind of doctrine that blows, every sleight of man, every cunning craftiness whereby people are laying by in deceit ready to take us and to trick us. Are you ready? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are gifts to the church. But what in the world do they mean? Let me give you a quick Bible study before we close today. Teachers, number one, are able to explain the ways of God to other people. Some teachers travel. Like Brother Woodward is an incredible teacher. I love to hear him all the time. He travels all over the place. He has a gift. Of course, he's probably other things too, but he's definitely a teacher. We agree on that. And some teachers will travel, but many are in the local church. Like Brother Brother Braniff did a great job today teaching the Word of the Lord. Brother Hugh, great job teaching the Word of the Lord. We appreciate men who have this ability to teach us, and we are so thankful for that gifting that God gave to the church. Secondly, pastors, able to lead saints closer to God. 
Most are local and travel very little because of the proximity they must have to the people they're pastoring. Number three, evangelists. They're able to introduce people to God and create future saints. So there wouldn't be pastors if there wasn't for evangelists. If there wasn't evangelists, we wouldn't have churches for pastors to pastor. So there are evangelists given to the church, and these people never meet a stranger. They travel far away a lot of times, and even a lot of times they stay local and reach their local community. They go downtown. Uh, we've, in fact, we've got an outreach day coming up, Brother Dale, where we're going to go down to Lakeside Apartments, and we're going to be ministering there. That's outreach. We're going to be doing some fellowship and outreach to a local apartment complex of people that need the gospel. We're going to be going very soon. I'll announce more about that. That's coming up very soon. That's evangelism. That's not going out there pastoring those people. Those are telling them about the good news of Jesus, about how he can save them, how he can set them free. That's the evangelist. And so that's a gift to the church. Fourthly, prophets are able to supernaturally declare God's plans for individuals and even for churches. We've had prophets come through our church that they've spoken. We've had prophets come through and declare the word of the Lord. We've had prophets come by and promise and, and prophesy the promises of God to our church, over our church, and these things come to pass. In fact, right now as we speak, they are coming to pass. Prophets come in and they declare things no one told them, but God told them. They mainly travel where God leads them, and they minister to churches. And we call them evangelists in our movement, but the truth is if they're not having a lot of people get the Holy Ghost, then they're probably a prophet. If they're digging things out in a church and they're declaring things in the gifts of the Spirit, they're probably more of a prophet and they just have humility and they don't want to call themselves a prophet. But they exist today. God, raise up more prophets. Lastly, apostles. Apostles. Apostles are able to work in all of the above. There's no way you could be an apostle and not know how to teach. There's no way you could be an apostle and not know how to pastor or work in any of the other gifts. So the apostles are able to do all of the above. They blaze new trails. They're the first on the scene many times. They're the first one to ever teach, first one to ever evangelize, first one to ever pastor. They start churches. They go to places that no one even knows about Jesus, and they preach on the street corner, and they build churches, and they create ministers, and they, they help people, and they build things, and they go to the next one, and they go to the next one. Apostles are incredible men of God in the Scriptures that did incredible things, and they are surely looked up to by all. And that's why there are apostles in our Bible that did all of these things. All of these ministry types are valuable and have their role to help us go forward. None exist to encourage complacency. None exist to encourage complacency. There is not one better than the other. There are no favorites in the gifts. They are all needed equally. Some people like certain ones more than the other. That should never be the case. We should never value one of the gifts in the church over another. There shouldn't be a favorite. None of them are here for us to not to just sit back and be comfortable. They're all here for us to make it to heaven and push us forward. None exists to tell us what our flesh wants to hear. None of them. That's not the role of them. None love you more than the other person. None of those gifts love you better. They're all called to love people the same. We need all of them to be a mature church. I need all of them to be mature. I don't want just my favorite. I want everything. Amen? I don't want to just hear an evangelist get up here and talk about miracle, 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 come get the Holy Ghost. I want the prophet to come in and say wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah? I want the teacher to sit down and teach without me falling asleep. I don't like teaching. I like evangelism. It's a lot more exciting. 
Evangelism is exciting for the new person. Teaching is exciting for the person in church. So if you're truly a member of the church, you love you some teaching. I can't fall asleep on good teaching. I love, I don't care if he's just, well, if he's a little bit dull, I might not like it. But I don't care as much about delivery as I do content. And man, I love good teaching. I love when someone just breaks open the word of God. I love it. And so none of these are here to be better than the other. We're, we need every single one of the gifts to make it. They're all given to the church for us to grow. But, listen, they're all pointless if you don't want to go forward. They're all pointless. You are not lost when you trip up in the race, ladies and gentlemen, church members. You're lost when you refuse to progress towards Jesus in obedience. You're not lost when you make a mistake. You're not lost. Some of you are like, oh, man, I made a mistake. I must be going to hell. And that's not how it works, y'all. And it doesn't work the other way either. You don't just get to be like, oh, oh, I'm getting sick. Lord, I haven't been in church in 40 years. Uh, I love you. I love you. Believe in deathbed confession and all that. I can't predict what's going to happen, but I can just tell you logically, this is about relationship and loving God. It's not about being so scared that you repent on the last second of your, of your life. Is that really what heaven's about? A bunch of people that don't love God that just accidentally got in because they said the right words at the very end of their... It doesn't work that way, y'all. You don't just get unsaved like that. You don't just get saved like that. This is a race. Sometimes in the race, you trip and you fall... And that's why there's this word called repentance. And repentance is whenever you make sure you're so sad about your failure, you get back up. Repentance, listen to this, is important. Repentance is not saying you're sorry. Repentance is the sorrow that makes you get back up and fight again. True repentance is not what you say in the altar, Lord, I'm sorry, so that he'll just look over it. True repentance says get back up and fight True repentance says, I should have not done that. I won't do it again. I'm going to go forward. True repentance is directional. So guess what repentance is? Repentance is when you're running in the race, and all of a sudden, you see a pretty girl. And repentance says, well, nope. Repentance is whenever somebody offers you a job, and that job is coming. It's like, oh, but the money. But it's like, oh, I can't go to church anymore. It's like, nope. Repentance is directional, y'all. Repentance is whenever you realize you're drifting and you, you correct the course. Repentance is when you realize, I'm not, I'm going to fix the course. You guys think it's just falling down all the time. It's not about falling down. It doesn't matter how fast you go. It's about getting the course right. Helping somebody? Listen, it's not elevation and navigation. It's not all these, these words about, oh, it's not elevation where how high you are. We're not elevators. We're navigators. We're people that seek. We're people that go on a journey. We go forward. Whether it's high or it's low, mountain or valley, I'm going forward. I might get off course sometimes, but God, let me get back on course. I may have messed up a little and got my mind over here and my eyes, but let me come back over here and get centered again. I don't know if we backslide as much as we get off course. Some people backslide, some get off course. Some go backwards, some just get distracted. That's why the Bible says straight and narrow is the way to life. Broad is the way to destruction. I can be saved if I go over here. No, you can't. Broad is the way to destruction. I can be saved if I take this doctrine. No, you can't. Saved, life is straight and narrow. And this is why you need somebody in your ear coaching you. Because here's the thing about running the race. You get in the middle of the race, sometimes you don't even know where you are. You're so tired. You 
think you're doing good and everything gets blurry and you don't want to go any further. And so thank God for the coach in the ear that says you can make it keep going. Thank God for the man of God that says you can keep going. Thank God for someone who says a little bit of course correction here. Let's get back in line. Oh, I know you think that you're still, but you're tired and it's weak. Thank God for people in our lives that say just get back on course. Thank you, Lord. Coaches to me sound like preachers. I love I love me some good preaching. I love sitting down in an air conditioned room after some good praise songs about Jesus and listening to somebody try to keep me on course. I think about it. I'm like, yes, Lord, preach to me. Oh, I was going that way, and I'm like, oh, God, you got me. How many of you have been like, oh, you got me on that one, Jesus? That, that's not to make you feel bad, y'all. That's course correction. That's not to run you out of the church. That's course correction. That's not to make you feel bad like, like you're not valuable. That's just course correction. All that is is saying, hey, are you sure you want to go that way? Because that way is dangerous. No, I don't want to go that way. I'm going to come back this way. Thank God for the coach in the ear. I grew up on powerful preaching, and they used to holler a lot, get excited, get passionate. And I don't know how Jesus communicated uh, back in the day. I wish I did know how, but all I know is I get excited when I preach, and I get emotional sometimes. And I know some people don't like the passion and the emotion, and I don't want to be harsh. People are so sensitive. I mentioned that earlier in the Holy Ghost, but it was in my notes. People are so sensitive these days, and they've been hurt more, and there have been so many absent fathers and so much abuse and disciplinary fathers. I think a strong male voice is turning people off these days. Strong male voices turn off men because they never had a father. You know, I thought about it. How come I like the coach in my life saying, let's go? It's because I had a dad. You know, this, this whole concept of somebody getting in my face doesn't offend me. You know why? Because I had a dad that said, if you're going to live in my house, you're going to follow my rules. You know what I told him one day? I ran away. I was 15, I ran away to the gas station. I owned nothing. He let me keep my clothes. Thankful for that, thanks, Dad. And I called my mom after 10 minutes and said, can you come get me? I called my, I called my mom, not my dad, of course. And then I had the walk of shame. I'm back. Ready to submit. <laughs> I remember growing up and Dad being tough. And I would look around at some of my family and friends who didn't have a tough dad. And they had a lot of problems, some of them. My brother and I are both pastors. And some of our family who, their dad was in church. Some of our friends who, their dad went to church. They're nowhere to be found. And I think the reason why God's blessed me is because I've been able to take tough love. I understand the value of having a voice in my life that says, I love you enough to do what's best for you. Before we can truly help people, there has to be a healing take place. Before we can truly coach people and push people as hard as we want to push people, there has to be a trust in place. There has to be a maturity to us that says, I know he's not trying to hurt me. God's not trying to destroy me. He's trying to push me. God gave me a pastor that is perfect for me. I'm almost done. Hang with me. The pastor that God put in my life has many qualities I'm going to grow into. One of them is how he communicates to people. And I've been praying recently, the last several weeks, God help me that I can quickly complete my training and find the balance of passion. Ah, let's go fight. 
and clarity and calmness because our elders have mastered the calmness. I love hearing Brother Braniff today. He was just like, thank God, thank God. I'm not making fun of him. He was like, thank God. It was so beautiful to see his, his, his heart, his passion. That's what you get years living for God. You find that, that way of talking and that balance and thank God. Thank you, Brother Braniff. Thank you, elders. But God gave me the perfect pastor because when I sit there and talk with him and he leads me, he, he does not quick to talk. He's not a shouter. He just gives me direction, and I receive it, and I'm so thankful for that voice in my life. I never want to distract from the preaching, and here's why. Because 1 Corinthians 1 and 21 says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of, of the message or the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. Preaching is the preferred method of salvation that God has for us. I'll just summarize it and we'll, and we'll end it. Preaching is the most beautiful way for people to get saved. Because it's literally just a man who doesn't deserve to be up here, who has nothing going for him but God, under the influence of the Holy Ghost, speaking to people that he can relate to because he is a human, about what God is saying. And just that one thing, if you keep reading the context, you find that so that no man or flesh will glory in his presence, God will use foolish preaching to save people that believe. So a couple points I want to make on the coach and the preaching and the passion. Number one, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. To the world, it's foolishness. Me shouting up here is foolishness. Because you know why? The world figured it out when they finally said, pastors are just men. And some pastors didn't want to admit that when the world figured it out, but it's actually the truth and the fact that it says it right here in the Bible. Paul said, it's just a foolishness to the world. And what that means is, there's nothing fancy about preaching. It's just trying to open up your heart to what God is saying. So, preaching is the preferred method that God wants to use to just speak to you. That's all he wants. God does not want to shake us, give us sickness, take away our money, and scare us. God wants us just to hear the preaching. He just wants me to hear the preaching and say, in Jesus' name, I receive the preaching. He does not want to do anything to push us back on course except let somebody in our lives be in our ears saying, you can make it, watch out for the tree, watch out for the hill. That's all God wants to do to save you is just let you get a preacher, let you get a word from him. He doesn't want to have to do anything else to keep you on the course. He just wants you to receive the preaching. I can almost guarantee you, if you don't receive the preaching, it's very difficult to help you any other way. Because 90% of the things we deal with, we deal with in the preaching. And if we would live the preaching, then we would fix the majority of our problems. We wouldn't have to have anything else. Because it's God's preferred method for us to come to church, hear a preacher say, get right. Pray through. You can make it. This is a blessing from God. I love it in my life. And I want you to love it in your life. But I also want you to understand one more thing. A pastor is so different than every other of the five-fold ministry. 
The Lord wanted me to share this with you, this revelation I've been trying to work on recently. If I could open my heart up to you. A pastor knows about the majority of the problems that happen in a church. And yet, here's the challenge of being a pastor and preaching. You don't want to blast anybody because you know about what they're dealing with. But you can't separate what the Spirit's saying from what you know. An evangelist has the luxury of walking up in here not knowing any of y'all. Y'all look so beautiful. Y'all look like y'all all prayed five hours this morning. Just by looking at y'all, you look holy. The evangelist can look at you and he can feel a word for us, and he doesn't know anything about you. But here's the challenge of a pastor. The pastor knows about the struggles, and a voice comes up and says, don't talk about anything they're struggling with because then they'll think you're preaching to them. But the Word of God says, like Brother Branham said in Hebrews, that you're to obey those that, that have the rule over you. Because what? Watch this. Because they watch. They see. This is the challenge I'm noticing about pastoring is that I know about your struggles and you know about mine. You don't know about the evangelist's struggles. You don't know if he's got a problem. You don't know if he eats with his mouth open when he eats dinner with you. You don't know what that man struggles with because you're not around him. He comes in, he's the superstar. That was a good preacher right there. And the struggle with pastoring is we know so much about each other and then yet I got to get up here and talk about it. And it creates an awkwardness, Sister Stella. It creates an awkwardness because it's like I don't want to to make it about you, but it is about you. And so I just want to teach you something that the Lord is teaching me. We're going to deal with things differently as a pastor than an evangelist would or a prophet would. I'm going to deal with the things I know about you, but not to hurt you, not to shame you, not to push you down. And listen, it may not even be about you. It may be about somebody else, and you're going through it too. But you think it's about you. The point is, I cannot be quiet watching you go through struggles and not talk about it. And if you ask me, that's not fair to ask me to not deal with what you're going through. Why get this microphone to on this platform? Because I want to give a good account one day for your souls. I can't be negligent. I can't sit back in the race and say, oh, well, they're fighting it. Let's talk about something else. I can't skirt it. I can't put it under the rug. I can't get it out of my mind. All I can do is, God, give me wisdom to answer what the people of the church are fighting and let me get a word for them so that they can stay in the race. So I I hope that helps you today understand the purpose of a pastor. The purpose is for me to hear it, to know it, and to see it moving through the congregation and say, I think I know what we can do to win. And my goal is not to embarrass anyone. My goal is to watch, to be close to you. There's things you pick up when you hang out with people, and it's, it's not to hurt them. You pick up on it, and you pray, God, help me fix this. Help me fix this. And I begin to pray, and I begin to ask God for a word. You know why? Because you've got to go forward, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot stay stuck in your mess. God sent me here to help you, and I've got to help you. It is my mandate and my calling. I'm pointless without helping you. If I see something, you've got to give me the liberty to fix it. 
This is the difference in having a pastor and having a preacher. Anybody else comes up in here that's going to preach to you. They don't know you. They say what they want, and they leave. But I say it. I preach on sin. Some of y'all sin, and you get mad. But you've got to love me again. You've got to get over it. You've got to come back next service. You've got to understand the power of a pastor. It's different than all the other ministries. It's supposed to be close. It's supposed to know your bit. It's supposed to see what kind of sneakers you're wearing in the race. The evangelist is far away on the megaphone saying, you got it. The pastor's right beside you saying, be careful, there's something right. This is why the relationship between pastors and saints can be so challenging. Because every other ministry you listen to on YouTube is not up in your business. That's why you like YouTube so much. That's why you like listening to videos all the time. Other preachers, I do too. I love it. You know why? Because they don't ever tell me my business. They ain't, no, they ain't no meetings with them. They don't ever look at you and say, hey, you've been struggling. You never have that on the online ministry, but when you get in church, somebody sees you now, and you see their flaws, and that forces you to love someone who's not perfect. Man, thank you, Jesus. This is why we can't have an online church. I can't watch people if they're just watching me. The people have become the pastors. They're watching us online. But that's not how it works. God called me to watch you. And I am not watching you to judge you. I have flaws too. That is, that is ridiculous to think that I'm watching you to judge you. I'm watching you because we've got to go forward. I've got to help coach you along the journey. I've got people telling me I can make it. You need someone in your life that knows what you're really fighting, what you're really against, that can sit there and go, I know all about your business, and I still love you. I know all your issues in your family, and I still care for you. The preacher down the road don't know that. The evangelist don't know that. I know that. I feel the Holy Ghost talking to us today in this place. Thank you for letting me open up my heart to you. God wants to build a great church here. And the reason we're going to unify is because of the revelation I'm giving you right now. We're going to make it, y'all. Say we're going to make it. You believe we're going to make it? Are you ready? Are you ready to push? Are you going to take it when we push? Can you handle it when we push? Let's all stand to our feet today and get ready because we're about to go into a season of pushing. The Holy Ghost is going to do it. Now, you are the strongest people I've ever met. If we were going to do like a church battle, I would want to be on y'all's side. If we were going to have like a gang fight, like a church gang fight, like AFC versus a bigger church in our area, if we were to, if we were to have a gang fight, I'd choose you. You know why? You're the toughest people. There are guests here right now. You're tough. I know the life you came from. You're the people I want to ride with. You're the people I want to die with. You're the people that can handle tough. And that's why God sent me here. Because you can take it. And if you will, allow true passion and pastoring to come into your family and your life. You will grow. And you will be blessed and highly favored. And God will anoint you. But you've got to be able to take the pushing have to. So I promise you, I will work on trying to make sure you feel the love, but you've got to work on letting us, letting others 
push you forward. It takes all of us. You can start playing angel. It takes all of us to be able to do that. But I felt today in the Holy Ghost on this salvation message is I want to encourage you and tell you, y'all, we can't get comfortable. We can't. I don't mind stirring. I don't mind things. I don't want to get comfortable. I want to make sure I'm going forward, and I want my prayer today to be, God, whatever it takes, I want to move forward. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take to get me there, but I want to get there. And I'm telling you, you're strong, and you can take it. The devil is a liar. Don't you ever let him tell you you can't take it. Don't you ever let him tell you you can't take preaching, and you can't take correction. I didn't even use the scripture, but I had it about fathers. Do you know that the scripture about whom the Lord loves, he chastens? Do you know that a few verses later, it says, don't you know your fathers did it? And I thought the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, but these people haven't had fathers. That's why they can't take chastening. Because they've never had a man in their life love them and correct them. They've only seen correction done through abuse. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you can't pastor people in 2022 if they don't know that you love them, but you also can't compromise correction. Can't do it. I can't get rid of correction because if I love you, we use correction. If God loves us, he corrects us. But the Lord spoke to me and said, until you can get people to get over daddy issues. There's a lot of daddy issues in this room right now. I know you've suppressed them. I know you've tried to get rid of them. You don't want to think about them. But there's a lot of absent fathers you never were loved, tucked in at night, and still corrected. Nobody ever played ball with you one minute, read the scripture the next, and then whooped your honey the next. You've never had it. But our God is a good father. He'll die for you. He'll die for you and correct you. That's a good father. That's the kingdom. That's what we're building right here. And that's what you can be. Gentlemen, hear me. Men, hear me. You can be the man that you never had. But you got to get close to a man, not a woman. Hey, I know who I am. I'm not, I'm not a female preacher. I'm not a feminine preacher. I hunt, fish, all that stuff. Well, not anymore because time and whatever. But I do all that. know how to do all that. I've done construction. I get it all. My dad had real property. I stuck my hand down in sewers to get stuff out. I've done all that stuff. I'm a man. I get it. But real men come from letting a real man speak into your life. It's the only way we'll preserve this generation of men is if men will rise up and take their place and say, I can take correction. I can take authority. Because when you can take it, you can give it to your children, to your wife, to the devil. You can do it if you'll receive it. I've noticed my wife seems to be so much easier that she respects me more because of the respect and honor I give to my pastor. I've noticed that my wife treats me even better than she always has because she sees me submitting to a pastor. She sees me on the phone saying, I don't know what to do. I need to help. 
Words I could never say for too long. I finally learned how to say. I'm not looking down at you men. Ladies, I don't look down at you. I know it's hard. It's very hard to say those words. But God will liberate us when we can get to that place where we value the fivefold ministry. We value the prophets and the teachers and, and the apostles and evangelists. We value the pastors in our lives and we understand their purpose. He said, know the deepest parts of our life and still care. That's what God's going to do in our church is God is going to heal us from daddy issues. God's going to heal us from who was never there. And I want to tell you right now that we will be there for you. We will help you. Even though you've never seen that kind of strong authority love you, we're going to create the atmosphere here at AFC. We're going to be strong, stand our ground, but we're going to seek after love and compassion and gentleness like God wants us to do. We're going to be a beacon of light to a fatherless community, a fatherless city, a fatherless world. The world is desperate for strong men that can stand their ground, love people, and still be strong at the same time. God's going to resurrect it, you hear me? God's going to resurrect it. And when God does this tidal wave through the men of our church, it's going it's to trickle down and affect the women. And some of our women that are going through all kinds of depression and battles and issues, you're going to be healed in Jesus' name. Because when you feel that authority beginning to flow, you're going to feel everything in place. You'll find a new respect for the men of the church. Because the men being the born leaders are going to be in submission. God will flow the anointing down through every family, every child, every, every woman, every daughter. God's going to bless us. We're going to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's lift our hands together. Lord, how do you want us to close today? We're here, God. I've preached, I feel like, my heart today. I hope that I have not offended anybody, these wonderful people who you've died for. I hope that they have felt my heart today. I hope they have felt my passion today, my youthful zeal. I hope, God, today that they know that they are valuable, that I've come today to fight for them, fight for them, not against them. I hope today, God, revelation has gone forth. I hope today, God, that every member and every guest have opened up their hearts to receive the truth and the revelation. And I pray that right now, God, we would make our minds up. No matter what, I am going forward. Whatever you need to give to me to go forward, whatever fire you need to light inside of me to go forward, light that fire, speak that word, send that preacher. But I want to go forward. I want to make it to heaven. Heaven, I want to be saved. Whatever you've got to do, Lord, save me. Whatever you got to do, Lord, save me. Whoever you got to send to talk to me, save me. God, let the people of our church hear the word. Let us all receive the word. Let us all push forward in Jesus' name. I want to push forward in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we make up our minds today as a church family all together that we want to go forward no matter what it takes, that we want to get up every day and take another step forward, never backslide, never get off course, but I want to go forward. I want to have voices in my life that push me forward and not backward. I want to have people that push me, that people that push me. God, I open my heart today to healing. 
from a father who was not there. In the name of Jesus, I pray you'd help us get to the place, God, where we can get tough and strong and mighty so that we can withstand the battle that's ahead. In the name of Jesus, I declare, God, your mighty works over our church today. I pray, God, that we'll be blessed before we leave, rejuvenated before we leave, refreshed before we leave in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, God, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do in our lives today, God? Oh, God, what do you want to do in our lives today, God? I want to go forward. I want to go forward. Somebody does take a step today to go forward. Wherever you are right now, don't stay there. But I encourage you, go forward. You can get out from where you are and come down to this altar and say, I commit God to go forward. I might not be everything I need to be at the end of the service, but I promise you, God, I'm going to go forward today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I love you, Jesus. If you'll come down, I want to help pray with some of you today. If you're a guest today, I want to pray with you today. I'm so glad you've come. I hope you feel the passion and the pushing. We are desperate for God. We need Him in our lives. We cannot get comfortable. We cannot get complacent. We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to seek God. We've got to bow our knees in submission to the Lord. We've got to make sure we're doing it right. That's it, that's it. Thank God. Thank God for your move today. Thank God for the people of God. Thank God for the guests today. Thank God for the saints of God. That's it, that's it. The Lord's doing it right now in Jesus' name. That's it, my brothers. God's anointing you. God's given you favor. God's given you favor in your lives. God's given you favor in your lives. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. We're here for you. We love you. Come on, you may not have a father, but you have a good, good father. Jesus, he's a good father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray the blessings of the Holy Ghost right now, God. That's it. You're going to make it in Jesus' name. You're going to make it in Jesus' name. You're going to receive it in Jesus' name. of the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus. We're going to make it in the name of Jesus. We're going to make it right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, let's see it. Let's worship the Lord together. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we surrender to you. I'm going to take a step today. Just another step today. Another step today in Jesus' name. The step today in Jesus' name. I'm gonna go forward in Jesus' name. I've got to, I've got to. Yeah. That's it, that's it. The Lord is working right now. There's going to be authority, victory over the devil, over our homes, over our families. Victory in Jesus' name. 